morning and welcome to decaf uh i have my you know i have this girly really girly coffee mug that i haven't showed you mark and the one thing that i don't like about it is this metallic finish handle if you put it in the microwave to reheat coffee because you don't have to reheat my coffee oh all the yeah time, it like really pops really loud i learned that the hard way so it I'm also looks weird i feel like yellow looks weird with gold i know but i love it Oh, no. I mean, it's fine. I'm just, yeah, I'm saying that. So, but yeah. It's a little odd, but it's super girly. And it says like, you got this. You're amazing. Anyway, I love this mug and I'm currently drinking mildly room temperature coffee because I can't put it in the microwave (laughs) to read it because- You have to have just like a a heating mug so you can put it in and then pour it right back into the mug you like. (laughs) I know. I like redid our whole office space in here. We've got the Peloton over there, the door to get out to the cars right here. And I have a little- pad thing that I can that heats your coffee cup up and I just haven't brought it in here yet so I need to really get my crap together with this whole (laughs) office space and doing that um so I'm really excited to talk about this first case because or this first topic that we're going to talk about because I am a supreme court nerd I love reading the opinions as they come down and just this morning um the supreme court sided with a cheerleader and you know cheerleaders hold a special place in my heart as a former cheerleader and coach I, um, I'll, first of all, I will say that teenagers using ugly language is just very unbecoming of a young lady, but a school should not be able to punish her for using ugly language on her Snapchat. And the Supreme court agreed. I don't know how the school doubled down to the extent that they did to get a case like this all the way to the Supreme court. I would feel like, and I don't know how this works necessarily, but if I was a school, I would be like, uh, this definitely is a first amendment violation, but they doubled down and stuck to their guns all the way to the Supreme court. The Supreme court kind of slapped them on the wrist a little bit and said, you can't punish a cheerleader for saying ugly things about the school on her Snapchat. You can't punish her in the school for what she does on her personal time in her Snapchat. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't even ugly. I mean, it, was, it wasn't great. language. Like, she always said F the school F the cheerleading team that was it i mean it wasn't like she was like you know insulting different people i mean she just said f this and like which seems insane that you could be also as a weird story i got really mad about this but i got suspended in seventh grade when i had remember when you used to have aim like the instant messenger or you too young for that on my profile i put mrs wise is the devil haha because i didn't like (laughs) our art teacher and i got suspended for that on my personal thing and i it reminds me of this you could have been, you could have sued all the way. My dad actually, I think said like, oh, we should, we, we might sue you. Yeah. They suspended me two days. And I feel like it just wasn't worth it. But like, that is very similar to that. I just, I mean, outside, it wasn't like, I didn't threaten anyone. I just, I hated this, my art teacher. She was the worst. And I said, she was the devil. Ha ha. So I didn't actually uh-huh. mean it. And yeah. And they, they suspended me for it. That is wild. I mean, so I, I, feel, I, 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 I empathize with this cheerleader. I went to a private school and a girl in my class said that she wanted to stab another girl in our class while we were on like an overnight field trip and she got sent home. I feel like that's a little different than just like saying ugly language. But if you've spent time around any high school kids, like when I was coaching cheerleading, my girls had mouths on them. Like they, they said some, some not becoming of a lady things. And I mean, they had to run when they said them around me, but I wasn't going to kick them off the squad or anything like that. And it was also a private school. Like, a, a school shouldn't punish a, a student for, you know, doing that on their free time. So I'm glad. And, and it was a free, it was a free speech violation that she said, F this, F this. Did they, they suspended her or did they expel her? I think they, I actually don't know. I just, yeah, know well, they, did, they did something bad to her, but like it was, it basically said like they can have free speech outside of there. She didn't threaten anyone. She didn't like, it wasn't like she put yeah, something she in. Wasn't at a she, 
she wasn't like at a cheerleading practice or anything. She said it on her personal Snapchat. When my girl said ugly things at practice, that's that's what you get. That's when you get kind of punished a little bit. But she was in, on Snapchat. Like that's not you can't do that. And so I thought well, it was it's dumb. Scary. And I mean, just I feel like when it comes down to it, I think schools, people generally should kind of be more on the side of free speech than they are like authoritarian. Even if you're like, I don't like that. It's like, well, can we do this? We sh- they should really think about that because otherwise they can, emb- I mean, this is an embarrassing moment for this school that not only did they do this, but like they didn't back down of like suspending her. That's insane. I know. I totally agree. And speaking of schools and overlying parent organizations being dumb, Let's let's have a moment. Since we're not going to talk about any sporting events necessarily today, except for I would like to talk about John Rom, but we can push that no. off a little bit. Um, let's slap around the NCAA a little bit because they well, the Supreme Court already did. So I know, but I want to do it too, <laughs> yeah. and I'll never be a Supreme Court justice. So this is my this is my opportunity to shine. Every single thing that Justice Kavanaugh said in his opinion that allow uh, on kind of stripping some of the NCAA's power away from them was incredible. So what happened was the NCAA has all these rules that try to basically restrict competition between schools and they have a cap. Preserve amateurism is what it's called. Yes, preserve (laughs) amateurism, AKA strip competition away. And they have all of these rules that say that a school can't offer education related benefits like money and things like that scholarships for more than it costs to attend the school and so that leaves a lot of student athletes with not having a lot and so Justice Kavanaugh said and it was incredible if you haven't read it you should read it he basically said that these student athletes at places like Alabama and places that have really successful athletic programs bring so much money into the institutions and all that money goes to the college presidents or goes to trustees, goes to building new facilities, new academic buildings, and it doesn't go to them and they're the ones that are bringing it in. And so the NCAA was basically violating antitrust law by not letting there be competition between the schools and allowing them to provide education related benefits to these student athletes who are bringing in millions of dollars to the schools. It it was insane. And so I was really, really impressed with not only that Gorsuch wrote the additional opinion, but Kavanaugh apparently had a bone to pick with the NCAA as well and wrote a concurring opinion. So I'm not, and I guess I don't completely understand the legal aspects of it, but I do think the antitrust thing was based on like that they're like, they're essentially couldn't be another organization. Like there couldn't be any competitor as another organization, the NCAA, because yeah. of what they do. And, and not, not necessarily between schools, but like the one thing that I don't even know how I feel about like students getting paid or not, but I know the NCAA is the biggest trash organization in the world. And when anytime the Supreme Court rules nine, nothing, you know, you did something wrong. This wasn't like, it was like a five, it was nine, nothing. Um, and, and I, and I know that one of the arguments is like, well, this, the schools take out insurance on these people. So basically they are acting as if they were on their payrolls, but they're not. So right. like if schools can take out insurance, if you get hurt on them. So it's just, I don't necessarily know the wide range of things. I know that what we looked at so that they can now pay, they're not pay students. They can give students money mm-hmm. above the cost of what it costs to attend there, but only for educational purposes. Yeah. So I don't know if that includes tutoring, housing, or they can just raise that. But um, the NCA is just, a, I can't wait till the NCA falls apart. It is a garbage organization. Um, they are... I mean, they all make so much money while at the same time, like they restrict, they restrict people's chance to actually earn a living. You're talking about a right to earn a living act, the NCA should deal with it because it's something they don't pay them. NCA football, 
You have to play for two years. You can't go from high school to the pros. If you're giving them a choice, that's one thing, but they're not. NCAA basketball, you have to play at least one year. So you can't do what LeBron James anymore and make millions of dollars. You're forced to basically play for, you know, just the cost of the education. And, and that's not, I'm okay with them not paying them, but you have to give people a choice because you say, well, look, we're not going to pay you. I, I don't want to go over to China and play basketball for a year. That's not a great op- option for me. Yeah. So I hate the NCAA. I'm glad the Supreme Court ruled this. I don't want to see... I personally don't want to see college players getting paid, yeah. um, but I want to give them the option to get paid if they want to go right to the pros. I just don't know that like the college thing, but I, I'm all for, you know, giving them more money to actually be able to like have their college career and tutoring, housing, food, whatever that is. Yeah. I, you know, Justice Kavanaugh said in his opinion that he, um, a lot of these student athletes come from lower income, often African-American areas, and they don't, sometimes they don't have the, financial means to supplement their their just their tuition with making the college experience worthwhile and so I think it was a great thing going back to what you said about getting paid though I I don't know man I kind of think that college athletes should get at least be able to benefit from sponsorship deals like yeah I mean well I mean there, there is this there is this idea that um there is this idea that people do think that I mean you're not the only one to to say that you know so I mean that that's that's certainly something there, but, um, you know, you see I, like literally the night of the NFL draft, all of these Alabama players that I was following all of a sudden started posting bows, chase Sapphire, like all of these things that were sponsoring them. And they're finally able to make money, even though the season hasn't started yet because they get these sponsorship deals. And so I just think about people like, I'm pretty sure Trent Richardson, when he played at Alabama, he already <laughs> had a kid and he if he had been able to benefit from sponsorship deals, he would have been able to provide for his kid rather than just playing football in college, getting his college paid for, then to be able to go to the NFL. And so my heart kind of goes out to guys like that who need a little extra and they don't have time to work a job because they're practicing football all the time. I don't know. I, I just think that I think that's kind of backwards a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I'm just more about the co- competitive aspect. And I think they should have the option to pay. I mean, Trent Richardson probably could have went from high school and played, but he didn't have that option. Sure. So if you're not going to give him the option, maybe I agree. But it just, it's like all the things that people care about, right? You're like, oh well, we want women's volleyball to play. We want uh, men's baseball, girls softball. Guess what? They don't make money. So if you don't have that extra, if you don't have that money going from football in there, um, then like those sports will cease to exist because you have to pay the players. So like, if you're okay with all of that happening, fine, but it's like, you're going to have the only, the only sports schools will have are the ones that make money and that's going to be football and basketball. Right. No, I agree. I I'm with you on that. I just, I think my, my big beef comes from sponsorship deals. I think it should not come from the school, but I don't think they should restrict pay from outside, outside groups doing sponsorship deals. That's my, that's my whole take on, on the pay issue. Um, Anything else you want to talk about with the NCAA? Because no, no, I think I it's good. Trash them for hours and hours and hours yeah. and never get tired of it. Um, I'm sure Mark will trash them. He already has on Facebook, which leads us into our next topic. Ron, our colleague, wrote a great op-ed that ran in the Tennessean this week about the feds trying to break up Google and Facebook using antitrust laws. Wow, we're really talking about antitrust laws today for two non-attorneys. I'm pretty impressed with that. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> But talking about the feds trying to break up Facebook and Google and how it's just a really crappy idea. Um, A lot of Tennessee small businesses, to kind of bring it home, there's a lot of small businesses in every state, of course. But in Tennessee, which is what we can speak to, a lot of businesses use Facebook, Google ads, things like that to 
draw new customers into their business. And if you start regulating Facebook or breaking it up and saying, here's this rule, here's this rule, here's this rule, it, it will crush that marketplace and could have crushing effects on small businesses. And that's really the case that Ron made in his op-ed. And I think it's a worthy case to be made, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and what's interesting is we keep hearing about, you know, conservatives against big tech. But I mean, this bill is going to be a bill by the Democrats in the Senate. So there's these two kind of competing issues. Um, Republicans are kind of mad. They feel like big tech censoring them. And I mean, they're right that it is. And then Democrats feel like it's too big and, and you know, is a monopoly. Um, and the fact is that this all these bills are the wrong answer. And I mean, I feel like a lot of conservatives are, are you know, skeptical of big tech and, and they think any bill to limit them is a good thing, but it's not. And, and I think that they got, Ron actually wrote this article on the same day, Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows came out with the same position as Ron had. And, and wow. so, I mean, that's, I don't think that anybody's going to say that they're not conservative. So this whole idea, it's like, look, we do think that it's an issue, but like these things make it worse and kind of, and really Ron was, I think they, they copied off Ron because it was a couple hours later and it was basically the same points. But um, so it like, as a conservative, I don't, I don't think that this, if you believe in this, essentially what you're believing is more government taking over the market. You're believing in these small businesses being, forcing them to pay more for these services. And I, I it's hard to say that you can support small business and support free markets and then kind of back some of these things. And the fact that, I mean, look, the Democrats are the ones who, who are doing this. It's not like this is, and this is one thing that I feel like is true, not always, but a lot of times when you find a bipartisan solution to something like this, it's usually the worst case scenario. Well, <laughs> and like, I don't think we need more, it's like, I, I, I'm fine with compromise, but when you have a bipartisan thing, it's like, it's usually the worst of everything. It's usually the worst of the right and the worst of the left all together in this bill. And you're like, how is this? This is not a compromise. This is like something that everyone should hate. This is pure trash. No, I totally agree with you. Like, absolutely. And I, I will say also, I was thinking about this. I think that sometimes conservatives will try to justify their position on breaking up big tech saying like, we want more privacy. We want, you know, whatever data privacy and imposing restrictions on these tech companies are two very different things very different solutions one of which is pretty conservative like if you want to protect data and do more data privacy like i can get behind that i cannot get behind regulating these platforms i just i just think people and i think on the right specifically need to think more about what is the like they know what the problem is but the solution is not always there i mean like bernie sanders knows what the problem is like bernie sanders knows a lot of the right problems he just doesn't have a solution instead of you know opening up markets to allow you know people and in lower incomes to have a chance like they want to put more government regulation so i think conservatives really need to think about this one and say like okay i know what the problem is is this the solution or is this going to make it worse? Because just because there's a problem and you say, oh, let's do this to get back. And it doesn't mean it makes things better. Yes. And things can always get worse. I hate this idea. It's like, oh, it can't get any worse. It can. It, it absolutely can. I know when we're no different, we talked about this last week about how the left tends to have no principle and just kind of goes on what sounds good in the moment. We're no different from the left when we start trying to regulate businesses just because we don't like what they're doing. Yeah. That, that's like, it's no different. There's no principle there. And sometimes I like lean back on my principles and I'm like, man, I really wish that we could sue this group for doing this thing, but that's antithetical to what I believe. So anyway, that's, that's our two cents on the topic. Read the op-ed. It's incredible. It's in the Tennessean right now. It's posted and, and on And Knox New Sentinel too. They, they actually ran in two different publications. Oh, today. Wow. Yeah. 
way to go, Mark. Mark is the king of getting things placed. He just has really good relationships with people. And if we have something really, really good, he pitches it and uh, he's really good at that. So way to go, Mark. It helps when you have good, good content to pitch. Yeah, it helps when if you I have try to pitch content. jazz stuff, I don't think it would. Also, I don't know. I'm boycotting the jazz for a week. I don't know if you noticed my hat. I'm, I'm not happy about how things went last week. In NRC, so I'm doing a one or two week boycott and then I'll go back to it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mark is so bitter about it. He was so grumpy. I'll, I'll say this before we move on to our next topic. He was so grumpy Monday morning when we got on our staff call. I asked him if he was angry or hungover because I literally couldn't tell. It was just like, lights were on no one was home like there was no life behind his eyes at all and so uh he was he was the grumpiest boy <laughs> there's still not a lot is it tough I mean blow, blowing a 26 point lead to, to end your season in a game oh, is a tough course. way to end things um I will be back but for now I'm just I'm silently boycotting I'm wearing Kira's Cubs hat that she got me so <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible um Mark you wanted to talk about the filibuster you know I did we we heard a lot about the filibuster I guess the first time I really started hearing about pulling back the filibuster, doing away with it was back in like 2008 with Harry Reid. I mean, it's been a long time that this debate, and I'm sure it was happening before that, but the first time I really heard about it, I guess was, was then, and people have been debating for a long time. It's just like the debate with the electoral college. If your party is not benefiting from something, you are the one that thinks it needs to go away. And so there's been efforts to do away with the electoral college. Now there's efforts, continuing efforts to do away with the filibuster. And who was it? You said that someone said something interesting. Oh, oh yeah. D- Dick Durbin has the, Dick so he's Durbin. Center from Illinois with the greatest quote ever in 2018. He said something about how, the filibuster, the filibuster is absolutely essential in actually pr- like preserving our republic. That's the one thing that we need to preserve our republic. And now he's saying the exact opposite: that getting rid of the filibuster is the only thing that we can do to re- like preserve our republic. It's like it is so insane. Like I, I of, of course understand it's politics and there's going to be, but you can't do such a 180 in three years yeah. and then and then just like it, it's just you have to at least pretend to have some <laughs> kind of principle. Pretend. Like it shouldn't be that like you can't say one thing and say the exact opposite two years later with nothing having changed other than one party's against democracy, which is, I mean, apparently they're saying, and it's just, it's so ridiculous. And the filibuster thing is without the filibuster, I think things would be horrible because I think you would have both extremes of parties putting their worst ideas into place. Mm -hmm. At least with 60 votes, you need to get some kind of, and it's hard because like you're never going to have 60 votes from the same party. So at least that's to be a little bit of consensus. And you're not going to, I mean, right now, you know, if, if it was a literal, if there was no filibuster, who knows, Green New Deal could pass. I mean, some of the worst policies you could possibly think of, Medicare for all my people to pass. I know. So it, it's, and and of course with the right, I mean, you could, I mean, if you put them in charge, you know, like they might get, they might ban Facebook. I don't know. They might get rid of, they might get rid of all social media platforms. Um, so I, I'm just sick of, them saying one thing and doing another. And of course you have it on both sides, but I feel like specifically sure. the Democrats have been just awful about this recently. We're like, they, whatever they said two years ago is it's like completely the opposite. Now it doesn't matter. And it's like anybody who has any sense of just somewhat intelligence can say, this is obviously not what they believe. They will do anything to push forward their partisan principles and their party. Yeah. They don't care about any of these things. They have no moral you know, like they're talking about the filibuster being racist. Like, why did you talk about how great it was two years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, every, everything I mean, that they don't like is racist. Um, <laughs> but no, no, I mean, they're, they're talking about racist. A, a racist. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's what they said. It's got a racist past. And I mean, it's a concept. 
Well, it's a racist concept. And, and the thing is, but but it's like, that means that you supported racism two years ago then. Is that right? Because I mean, and it's not just him. It's like all the Democrats are like how important the filibuster is. And I'm if, just and if them's it. the rules, if them's the rules that you supported it two years ago, then you yeah. get canceled now. Oh yeah. So, and, yeah it's, and, and it's, and it's, I mean, the same thing with, which I mean, you could argue like the Supreme Court stuff. I feel like McConnell's, McConnell and the Democrats both flopped on that. They took the exact opposite thing when they were yes. just it, It's frustrating. And like, as an American, it's just, Oh gosh, it's just, it's awful. I mean, it's really, really tough. I think it's really funny. This has kind of stopped a little bit since we've gotten older, but when I used to say to friends that I work in politics, they would be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's so important. And what they don't know is that like, it really is at some point just like herding cats and having to deal with insane stupidity. Like what we do in politics, like these federal elected officials just flip-flopping on things we don't know what's what's up what's down what's east what's west we don't know where to go and because they're just flip-flopping their stories all the time and so now I feel like when when I say I work in politics people are like I'm so sorry because it's just it's just a crazy fest all the time you can't keep track of who's for what who's against what because there's no principle in anything yeah it's about who's the president what party's in power I mean that's really what it comes down to and the filibustering is is literally the most frustrating thing that I like just seeing these things because it's either a good concept or it's not and this whole idea and I mean for their part I mean Republicans have never I mean good for them they've so far have never tried to get rid of it when they've been in power I mean I'm not sure it's gonna happen next time which could be you know 20 2024 2022 like who knows what's gonna happen but it's it's just frustrating and I, I can't deal with it and and just hearing Dick Durbin talk and like seeing those two clips I'm like you are the most full of crap person and where did you see those clips because this is what i also think is interesting is fox news the exactly so the left kind of walks the party line they tow the party line man they don't hold anyone in their party accountable and i think that the reason that the right phrase so much is because to a degree there is more accountability the libertarians and the conservatives and the establishment republicans all kind of like aren't afraid to call each other out on things oftentimes. But, but I mean, to the same point, I, mean, I, I don't, I don't think you get as much media covered from the right that, that talks about, you know, like where they have changed their opinion. I, I mean, I didn't say, I mean, you can say what you want, but it's like, I, I, I didn't hear a lot about president Trump's like flip-flop on abortion when, when he was, when he was there. Like, I didn't hear a lot about that. I didn't hear, I mean, I, I think that, but of course on, on, if you watch MSNBC, that's all they talk about is they, all they talk about. And like for Mitch McConnell, they talk about how he, I mean, the left kept talking about how he changes opinion on Supreme court justices. It's like, well, I didn't hear anything about how the left was on the other side. They changed their opinion just as much as he did. Cause they said, Oh, we need to do it. Cause like there's, so it's just, I mean, you're going to get whatever echo chamber essentially you're watching is what you're going to get. There is some decent ones who do a better job than others. Um, I think the left has gone off the, I, mean, I just think that they're off the reservation at this point. A lot of their, their news channels, um, we're like, it's not even like I love Fox News, but at this point, it's all we they, got. They, I mean, they seem to be better than at least, I mean, I, I don't know. Well, there's just not a lot of good media. I mean, just do your own research. I mean, that's what it comes down to. But I can't, the filibuster thing is so frustrating to me. And I, I'm just like, I'm so disgusted by the way the Democrats are acting right now about the filibuster when they were completely the opposite side. I agree. I totally agree. I, you got my 100% stamp of agreement and approval there. I'm not going to fight you on that. Um, let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about food. I personally am starving because Whole30 means that you can't like eat anything good. Um, <laughs> but I've lost seven pounds in like a week and a half. So apparently something's going well. Following the rules really well. But you're making my mouth water. Mark can't stop talking about this bagel place. Oh. And I love bagels. And, and let's be clear, this is not a um, 
we're not sponsoring anything. I just tried. So I, I live right in the, on the membrane. We just got a new bagel place right next door to my apartment complex called H&S Bagels. And it is so wonderful. It's a, it's a New York style bagel place. Um, and we have a really good place called Proper Bagel. They're, they're, they have good bagels. This place is twice as good. They, and they're everything bagels. They have like, just, they, they don't have so many seeds that get stuck in your mouth. So there's less seeds, but it's Yay. so much flavor. Their sausage is great. Um, unfortunately, I spilled, I got coffee, which was really good. I spilled it all over my hand and almost got like second degree burns, but their food was so good. They, they just opened. I think they're still trying to, but it's a guy from New York who was, who's done there for a long time. He's actually, there's actually a story in the Tennessee today, but I've been there twice since it opened. I'm trying to be a little bit healthier, which is hard with this place next door, but it is, I mean, it's unreal good. And it's one of those things that we, we talked about this. We'll talk about this thing. There is certain foods that you can get from one part of the country that is awful everywhere else. And that's why this is so special because when you go to New York I and mean, you go to New Jersey, filled up, you get good bagels. I mean, great bagels in New York, but really nowhere else in the country. And this is the first one in Nashville or anywhere outside of kind of the Northeast that I've had an excellent, excellent bagel. Is, don't they say that it's the water in New York that makes like the crust and the bagel bread so good? It, it might be, but whatever it is, they figured it out here. I mean, he took whatever their, their, their thing is and it is so unbelievable. And, and like, when we were talking about this, like the other, like when you talk about cheesesteaks or things like that, like yes. you, outside of Philadelphia, New Jersey, you can't get anything good. And I mean, what, what are your examples of that? What's your, what's your Philadelphia cheese, cheesesteak? I mean, there's how many? I mean, Jim's Jim's yeah. is my favorite. To I was Tony, about to say, Jim's yeah, Tony Luke's is really good. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones. Obviously, the White House in Atlantic City, New Jersey, is also an underrated place. Really, I've never been. No, oh, they they have such unbelievable sandwiches, and I hate saying anything good comes from New Jersey, but the White House cheesesteaks, just all their sandwiches are so good. The bread's perfect. They I they get that. it fresh like three different times a day. They have a bakery come deliver fresh bread. Oh, I love that. I think for me, what is people will say Texas style barbecue. And I know I'm an Alabama girl and I should like the Alabama style barbecue. And I do love the white sauce, but there's just something about Texas barbecue, man. It's just so much better. And I don't know if it's that there is is there a certain type. Cause I mean, like I, like I would like the brisket is what I think of. Is that what you like? Yes. That's that's, okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like the way they do their sauces in Texas. Like, I just think that the barbecue there is incredible. I also think that Philadelphia, I mean, New York pizza is so much better than Chicago or anywhere else. And Ron's going to kill us for saying this, but Chicago. Me too. I'm, I'm on board with that completely. Chicago pizza is soup in a bread bowl. Like it's just not great. I'm not going that far. I still like, and, and I, I, I want to be clear though. Chicago style pizza, people always talk about it. It's not just deep dish. They have a lot of good thing crust too. Like sure. I think that there's like, it's a tourist thing to say it's just deep dish. With that being said, deep dish is not as good as New York style pizza. Anything they have in Chicago is not as good as New York style pizza. So I'm on board with that. No, I want like a big floppy slice of pizza. Like that's Gre- not like Greasy. I know, I know. I, I want the grease to be I rolling off in my greasy. mouth. Greasy. I oh, want yeah. to feel disgusting after I oh, eat yeah. it. Like, if Absolutely. I'm good, if I you do feel it, anything but disgusting, you didn't do it right yeah exactly i also and this is this is a really hot take and people are not gonna like this Uh-oh. but the street style authentic mexican tacos i want like tex-mex i like ground beef and cheese and sour like i grew up on tex-mex and i'm just a tex-mex kind of and really the only good tex-mex you can get is really kind of texas and california like san diego like area exactly. right like, exactly. like there's not a lot, maybe New Mexico. I've never, I mean, it seems like that's on that same. Maybe, but in Texas. But yeah, it's, and, and the thing is Mexican food, you know, in other places is good, but you're right. Like when you go there, like I went to San Diego, I'm like my four favorite Mexican meals have been there. And then I went to Dallas. I'm like, that's a great Mexican meal. Like I go everywhere else, like this is good for Nat. Like that's what it's like. It's for yeah. Nashville yes. or it's good for Philadelphia. It's good for Milwaukee. Like it's not, 
it's good for that, but it's not anything compared to the really good stuff. Like I respect the hustle of trying to make Mexican food like authentic or whatever. And I do love going down Nolansville and stopping at Don Juan's, which is just like a taco stand. Like it's great. It's good. But if I'm going to pick a meal to absolutely make myself sick, eating so much of it, it's going to be Tex-Mex. I'm sorry. That's just, well, H&S bagels, are good for New York. So forget it for Nashville. They are good for New York. Like they are so good. And like, you need to, I don't know if it's on any delivery app. I think you're a little bit farther, but you need to, as soon as you're done with your little whole 30s thing, then the first meal you should have should be this because it is so good. You're going to make me cheat before whole 30s even. Over. You should. It's, it's <laughs> worth it. I, it's, it's, so I, I hate living so close to it. It's like, it's frustrating. Cause I'm like, I want it like three times a day. I'm like, I'm like, I can't, I, I got to try to lose some weight for the wedding. So it's not great to have that right as close to possible as you Hustle, hustling for the shredding for the wedding. Is yeah, that's right. Great, as we say in Alabama, um, well, I'm going to New York for Halloween this year and, um, all of my healthy habits will get blown out of the water for that because you know that I'm gonna go to Murray's and get a locked bagel every single and most importantly build a boss who will only be in in power for a few more months so that'll be exciting I'm Uh, sure the city will be ecstatic to to get rid of him oh lord (laughs) that is the best news best good news of the week (laughs) Blasio bye bye (laughs) um well Mark have a great weekend and uh we'll talk to you guys next week